Welcome to the Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge, presented by Georgia Alabama Sports Live. This is Monday night, and I have a special show for you. You are listening to us on WQEE 99.1 FM, the key out of Noonan, Georgia. You can catch a replay of this show Monday through Friday from 2 to 3 p.m. on Home of Southern Sports up in Noonan. Got a great show for you. I'm going to talk about that Monday night game between the Jets and the Bills. Horrific. If you're a Jets fan, that's exactly not what you want to see. It was absolutely horrific. And Aaron Rodgers' injury. How long is he going to be out? How does this affect the Jets? Jets traded all those picks to Green Bay. And look at what Green Bay's doing. Jordan Love looks like he's the next best quarterback in Green Bay. It's safe to say right now the Green Bay Packers won that trade. But absolutely horrifying. Right now, I'm actually watching the game as we speak because I'm coming to you Monday night. The Buffalo Bills are leading the New York Jets 13-6, to a defensive battle in this game. And the Dallas Cowboys have put the entire league on notice. What they did Sunday night against the New York Giants, they humiliated them. And I think the Dallas Cowboys do have the best defense in the league. I'll get into that. The Atlanta Braves' magic number is down to three. And what is going on with USA basketball? I didn't get a chance to talk about this yesterday, but they finished fourth place in the FIBA World Cup. No, that's not going to get it done. You got the Olympics next year. LeBron is saying, hey, let's start recruiting. We're going to try to build the, the other redeem team. I'm not buying it. But yeah, very disappointing. Losing to Canada in the bronze medal game. Absolutely disappointing. And I'm going to give my top five teams in the National Football League. I want to remind everybody, for the radio audience only, you're going to get my interview with BTV Sports' Kevin Eckleberry as Troop County, Callaway, LaGrange, all having fantastic seasons in high school football. And we'll throw in some Valley and Lynette as well. Had a great time tonight. The Glenwood Gators Coaches Show with Coach Dusty Purdue and Head Coach Ryan Nelson. We've got a big game this Friday on Georgia-Alabama Sports Live. So basically, here's the schedule for Georgia-Alabama Sports Live. Thrift Behringer and I will have our scoreboard show tomorrow night, 7.30. Special guest, DJ Jones. I'm excited about this one because it's going to feel like Sports Visions is on a Tuesday. And I get to be a part of it. I've been on the show with both of them. This is really a fun treat for myself. And then Thursday night at Otis Spencer Stadium, it's Kendrick taking on Spencer. We will have that for you on Georgia Alabama Sports Live, which you can now follow us on the X. You can like our Facebook page or subscribe to the YouTube channel. And then Friday, we are going to be back at the Swamp. Sammy Howard Field, high school game day is going to be there. Coach Dusty Purdue is even going to be a guest picker. It's going to be incredible. Glenwood, number one ranked team in the AISA, taking on the defending AISA champion Lee Scott Academy Warriors, who are ranked number two. This is an epic battle in the AISA. I'm absolutely excited for this game. And then I'm going to get into my week three preview in college football. Georgia is taking on South Carolina. Alabama is on the road taking on South Florida. And Auburn is hosting Samford. 
I'll get into that as well. And Chris Jones, a one-year deal. Travis Kelsey might be back. It looks like all is well with the world. The Chiefs are back to being a dynasty. All right, let's get into the show. This is episode 705, just in case you are keeping score at home. And this is Monday night. It is the 22-year anniversary of 9-11. Uh, 9-11 really had a big impact on my life because I was a fifth-year senior at Freed Hardman University on September 11, 2001. I actually had a communications class with Dr. Hayes. And unfortunately, I missed the class. I woke up late and I come strolling into class and class is almost over. And we're not really having class right now. Dr. Hayes is in his office and he, he's showing me footage of the planes hitting the South Tower. And this was really shocking to me. Yes, it did have an effect on sports. We talk about later how patriotic this country became, especially George Bush, the president, throwing a perfect strike, game three of the World Series. It was incredible. That was really 2001. That was the year where the New York Yankees could have won the World Series. It would have been great. The Diamondbacks ended up winning the World Series that year. The New England Patriots would go on to win the Super Bowl in 2002. And so patriotically, we were standing tall. We were proud of the American flag. I even joined the military in 2002. I mean, that's how patriotic I felt that I needed to be to do my due diligence and serve my country. And what was crazy was, you know, the time I was at Freed Hartman, I was doing broadcasting. I was scheduled to call a soccer game between Freed Hartman and Harding. I already called the opener. Season opener took place on September 4th, 2001. Freed Hartman was taken on Bethel. It was the first soccer game I ever called in my broadcasting career. And you could have listened to it on 91.5 WFHU as we experimented with soccer. Freed Hartman was supposed to play Harding. I think they did play on September 11, 2001. Yeah, they didn't cancel the game, uh, but I personally chose, and really I had no jurisdiction to do this, I personally chose not to call a game because I didn't think that the game was going to get played. It was 9-11. It was a very somber day, a somber chapel. You know, I went to a Christian school in the NAIA, and we had chapel every day at 10.30, a very somber chapel the next day. And... This country has never been the same. And I remember exactly where I was uh, when the, the the two planes hit the towers. And 22 years later, I mean, we'll never forget a lot of the people that I work with, co-workers and guests on this show and people that have helped me in the past couple of years weren't even born. They weren't even born. I mean, that's how long ago it has been. And so we reflect back on 9-11 22 years ago. And I even remember the Monday night game that was took place on September 10th, 2001. That was the Giants taking on the Broncos. And they canceled the entire week two in the NFL. And they canceled all the college football games. They didn't play them till later in December. In fact, Tennessee... The last time they beat Florida in the swamp was in 2001, but that wasn't played in, 
until December because they moved that game to December. And what's crazy is that I had a show with Brad Page at Freed Hardman called The Up All Night Show. And my final episode of The Up All Night Show, because I'll go back and I'll watch the tapes. You know, I had all the episodes on VHS and I'd watch the tapes. My last episode of The Up All Night Show took place on September 11th, 2000. That actually blew my mind. I remember the guest was Chris Walker. He's now a successful lawyer somewhere. Uh, but that show never aired because the tape got ruined. And so I, I don't have that episode. But the last episode was, I think, September 10th, 2000. And it was Malvin and Marvin Williams. Great guys, by the way. Such a small world that Malvin Williams lived in Kennesaw the same time I did, like 10, 12 years later. It was weird. But that was my take on 9-11. So let's go into... The Monday night football game right now, seven minutes to go in the fourth quarter. It's a defensive battle. The Buffalo Bills are leading the New York Jets 13 to six. The whole world was ready to watch Aaron Rodgers debut as a New York Jet. This game was going to get massive ratings. Two plays into the game, he gets sacked. A lot of people feared it was his Achilles. He left the game. X-rays are negative. It looks like it's going to be an ankle sprain. We don't know how long Aaron Rodgers is going to be out. But the New York Jets bring in Zach Wilson, the number two overall pick in 2021. He might be a bigger bust than Trey Lance. Not really getting anything done. The only bright spot for the Jets was Brees Hall coming back from that injury, rushed for over 100 yards. And the Jets' defense actually looks pretty good. I am a firm believer if Aaron Rodgers is healthy, this Jets team not only can make the playoffs, but they can compete and go to the Super Bowl. But it's wishful thinking. There was a lot of unknowns with the New York Jets, and quite frankly, they have got to fix that offensive line when Aaron Rodgers comes back because he does have some weapons. He's got a good run game, and he's got a good defense, but that might not be enough to get over the hump and to make the postseason for the first time since 2010. And now the New York Jets have to rely on Zach Wilson, and Jets fans have got to be demoralized right now with Aaron Rodgers' injury. And I also feel that everybody that's the casual football fan that was getting ready to watch this game, the ratings took a nosedive once Aaron Rodgers left the game. I even turned on to the Manning cast and they just didn't know what to say. They were prepared to talk about Aaron Rodgers in the broadcast, and they just couldn't find the words to improvise. Anyway, I can't believe I'm saying this, you know, especially as a 49ers fan, but how about them Dallas Cowboys? Yes, I'm not saying it just because, you know, I lost a bet or anything, but the Cowboys demoralized the New York Giants 40 to nothing Sunday night. I didn't really touch up on this because when I was going live Sunday night, the game was actually in progress. Look, the Giants shot themselves in the foot with the pick six and you know going down two scores early. The Cowboys defense just pinned back, and they had Danny Dimes running for his life. Yes, I believe right now Micah Parsons is the best defensive player in the NFL. And how fun is that game on October the 8th? 
Sunday night football, 49ers and Cowboys. And I'm wondering how Gabe Reynolds is feeling right now. He's a regular guest normally. Trying to get him on in the next couple of weeks because I know he's got to be excited about his Dallas Cowboys and the performance they had against the New York Giants. Is it a testament to how great the Cowboys defense is or is it a testament of how bad the Giants offense is? And maybe the Giants are one hit wonder. Yes, they didn't make it to the divisional round of the playoffs last year in Brian Dable's first year, but Daniel Jones, who got the big contract, he might not be the answer at quarterback and they can't just rely on Saquon Barkley. And it looks like the New York Jets. Wow, what a catch by Zach Will. Oh, no, um, Garrett Wilson. What a catch. And the Jets. Um, looking at the score right now. Yeah, Robert Sala is going nuts. But if the Jets win this game, how big would that be? And that would just be demoralizing for the Buffalo Bills. But uh, we, we're going to go ahead and uh, I want to. I want to take a look at this. Uh, 13 to 12 is the score. Yeah, 455 left to go. And it is 13 to 12. That would be huge if the Jets can pull off this victory. And that just tells you how overrated the Buffalo Bills are. Later on in the week, I'll get into my week two preview including the Atlanta Falcons taking on the Green Bay Packers. The Falcons are a slight favorite. And then I'm going to go ahead and reveal my top five teams in the NFL. Uh, I know that Colin Cowherd usually has his herd hierarchy every uh, Tuesday. I'm not going to go there because I don't want to copy what Colin Cowherd does. I don't want to copy what Josh Pate does. I don't want to copy what Jay Crane does or Chris Vernon, all these sports talk show hosts that I listen to on a daily basis. I'm not trying to copy any of them. I'm not trying to copy them. Yes, imitation is the greatest form of flattery. Uh, but I don't think that Josh Pate would appreciate if I tried to copy what he's doing for the Late Kick Podcast, which, by the way, is a fascinating show, and I'm absolutely a fan. Um, but the thing is, i got to stop being a fan, and i got to start looking at Josh Pate and myself as broadcasting colleagues. You got to grind in this industry and earn the respect. When I first got on the air and Josh Pate was on the other line, I admit I was a little nervous because maybe I'm just a fanboy. Maybe I'm just a huge fan of Josh Pate and the Late Kick podcast. But I'm not talking about college football right now, I'm talking about the NFL. So the Dallas Cowboys, do they make my top five? Well, absolutely. But uh, I'll go ahead and I'll, re I'll reveal that in just a minute. Chris Jones gets the one-year deal with the Kansas City Chiefs. And if Travis Kelsey comes back, the Kansas City Chiefs should be favored against the Jacksonville Jaguars next Sunday. It is in Jacksonville. But Kansas City, even the announcers were saying, well, they didn't have Chris Jones and they didn't have Travis Kelsey. No wonder why the Detroit Lions won. Well, the Lions before would have lost that game. Because they've established the culture for years. They have not won a division title since 1991. They haven't even won a playoff game since 1991. And a lot of people think that the narrative has changed this year. But it's just one game. The Kansas City Chiefs will be back to a sense of normalcy now that they have Chris Jones. 
who is one of the most clutch defensive players that I have ever witnessed. What he did in that Super Bowl is just a statement, and he is just an outstanding defensive player. But the Kansas City Chiefs still do not have a number one receiver. Are they going to trust Kadarius Toney? Because he dropped three passes in that game. I'd like to see Central's own Justin Ross get more involved. He only had the one catch for six yards, but Justin Ross, I love seeing these Central Red Devils that have gone on to play in the NFL. It seems like Central is starting to become like Carver on the Phoenix City side in Alabama. You have J.D. McKissick, Jeremiah Castile, Justin Ross. Got some great players. All right, so uh, let's go ahead and it is going to be time to review my top five NFL teams. Let's start with number five. And I don't have cool sound effects like when Colin Coward does number five. No, I don't have any of that. All right. Number five, the Philadelphia Eagles. Yes, they did get a 25-20 to 20 win over the New England Patriots. But it's Bill Belichick. It's Foxborough. It's that defense. It's the Patriot way. The Eagles are going to be fine, even though they lost two coordinators. Jalen Hurts is still a top-five quarterback. They still have weapons on the outside. A.J. Brown, Devonta Smith, and that defense that they have, which is half the players are Georgia players. I'm a believer in Nicobe Dean, Jalen Carter, Nolan Smith, Keely Ringo, Jordan Davis. You, you might as well call them the Georgia Eagles. That defense is scary, and it's not just because they have Georgia players. The Eagles at number five. Number four, the Green Bay Packers. Who has not been more impressed with the Green Bay Packers than what they did to the Chicago Bears? And if you're a Chicago Bears fan, you're thinking, oh, here we go again. I thought that Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers retiring, that we would finally get over the hump and we would finally beat the Green Bay Packers, especially at home. That wasn't the case. Jordan Love, he wasn't perfect, but Green Bay's got a pretty good team around him. A.J. Dillon, Aaron Jones, they got some good weapons. Green Bay looked fine, and you know that's why they're in my top five list. Number three, the Miami Dolphins. How about Tua Tungabailova? With his performance passing for over 436 yards, and the Miami Dolphins that have a great defense, Vic Fangio, his defense, Mike McDaniel, he's going to be coach of the year if the Dolphins continue playing like this. They do play the New England Patriots in week two, but they're running backs. I mean, how many former 49er running backs are going to be playing on the Dolphins? You got Raheem Mostert. You got Jeff Wilson. At one time, they had Matt Breida. I'm shocked that they didn't go out and try to get Garrison Hurst or Kevin Barlow or uh, what was that? Uh, Carlos Hyde. <laughs> you know, it's the Miami Dolphins that just get these former 49ers and they just plug and play on their team. Trent Sherfield, I mean, he was a former 49er as well. All right, the Dolphins are number three. This is going to be tough. And, you know, if I didn't pick your team to be number one, I mean, you can just write me in the comments. But number two, I have the Dallas Cowboys. And you're probably wondering, why aren't they number one? Well, they did beat the Giants 40 to nothing. But the Giants are terrible this year. I don't think the Giants are going to be any good. Dak Prescott, he didn't really do much. 
But the Cowboys swarming defense, that special teams, they smother the Giants. I got them at number two. Number one, I have the San Francisco 49ers. Boy, this is a very biased pick. I know I'm a lifelong 49ers fan. But they go into Pittsburgh and they demolish the Steelers 30 to 7. Brock Purdy with two touchdowns. He had 110 quarterback rating. He looked great. Brandon Ayuk, I wish I picked him up on my fantasy team. They didn't need Debo Samuel and George Kittle. And Christian McCaffrey, 150 yards rushing. They still have Elijah Mitchell. There's only one concern that I have on the 49ers. It's the right tackle position. Colton McKivitz was getting manhandled by TJ Watt, who had three sacks. When the 49ers play the when the 49ers play the Cowboys on October the 8th, that will be the barometer to see how good this team is because that Cowboys defense is coming for that 49ers offensive line. Yes, Trent Williams, he has uh, protected that blind side on the left side, but Colton McKivitz, man, if Micah Parsons lines up there, I, I'm, I might not look – I might uh, – close my eyes and look away because it could get ugly. So that's my top five in the NFL. All right. The Braves magic number is down to three. They split the doubleheader with the Philadelphia Phillies and they play the Phillies two more times. They win both of those games. They are in at least champs for the sixth straight year. Since 2018, the Atlanta Braves, have been the gold standard in this division. Excuse me for a second. <clears throat> it's a shame I don't have a producer that can get me some water. <laughs> no, no, I'm, I am the producer. I'm the Tommy Wiseau of sports broadcasting. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> I have to go get some water. I really am. Um, the Atlanta Braves. Magic number is to three. Matt Olson hit his 50th home run, and he is one shy away from the all-time single-season leading home run record set by Andrew Jones in 2005. There you go. 13-13. Three minutes left to go in the fourth. This is this is an incredible game. All right. Um, <clears throat> what's wrong with USA basketball? Seriously. They lose to Canada. They miss out on the bronze. I mean, they got upset by Germany. They lose to Lithuania. This has been the most disappointing USA basketball team in the history of the United States. At least at least in 2004 they won the bronze. I mean this is absolutely ridiculous. They can't even medal. And so I think a reload is going to happen. Look, I watched that Netflix documentary the redeem team. I mean they had to get dogs on their team that are willing to work get those defensive specialists. They need to start with having LeBron, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George. You need to get two-way players that are willing 
to play defense. They got to learn the international game because if they don't make adjustments, they are not going to win the gold medal in 2024. Congratulations to Coco Golf, youngest woman since Serena Williams to win the U.S. Open. That's always great when you see an American, especially somebody as young as Coco Golf, winning the U.S. Open. That was uh, pretty cool. And let's see, what else do we have? All right, week three preview, college football. I'm going to go ahead and... You know, look at the games that I, I, I'm actually looking forward to watching. I mean, we do have some top 25 matchups. Uh, let's uh, go ahead with and start with, uh, we actually do not have any top 25 matchups. But the Tennessee-Florida game is always fascinating. Even though Florida is not ranked as high as people think they are, I mean, they're still a bottom feeder here in the SEC. They did go six and six last year, but Billy Napier is in trouble. If Florida cannot find a way to beat Tennessee, Tennessee has not won in the swamp since 2001. I talked about that earlier in the show. Tennessee's got some issues that they need to fix because they didn't have a perfect game against Austin P. Josh Dobbs, he's got to find a way to throw the football and cut down on the mistakes. I mean, you got, let's see, you got Alabama taking on South Florida, Georgia taking on South Carolina, Florida State on the road against Boston College, Wyoming and Texas. You know, that is a tricky game. The Texas Longhorns, you know, they're now ranked number four. They're going to be in the spotlight. And then you got Washington at Michigan State. Later on in the week, I will have my top five teams, which I think are on upset alert. So last week I had. I don't know why that's on there. All right. Last week, I had my top five teams that I put on upset alert. And here they are. Notre Dame, they they survived. They were able to beat NC State. I feel bad for the NC State scoreboard. Spent $15 million on that scoreboard. It gets struck by lightning. It gets destroyed. That's just not fair. Utah survived a scare against Baylor. Utah, give me two. Texas A&M. They lose to Miami. Tyler Van Dyke, five touchdown passes. Wisconsin loses to Washington State. Boy, the Pac-12 just keeps rolling. And Colorado does beat Nebraska. So on my upset alert picks, I was two and three. So not bad. Boy, I tell you, I'm trying to get through this show. Uh, Don't forget, uh, we're going to go ahead and take a break for the radio station only. So I could get uh, BTV Sports Director Kevin Eckleberry here on the show. Thank you, everybody, for watching us on Facebook Live. Go and like the Facebook page. I promise you, this is going to be a great show that uh, you could tell your grandkids about. And like always, when Carl Lewis was singing the national anthem, I'll make up for it. All right. Have a good night, everybody. Active Pest Control offers the best services and prices to protect your home. Offering both monthly and quarterly pest control services, plus specific services like bed bug, German roach, and flea control. Even if you can't see them, insects are all around you 24-7. Active Pest Control wants to be the first line of defense. Active Pest Control. Repair. Bond. Best termite coverage around. Active Pest Control. 34 Jefferson Street, Newton. 770-954-9941. 
It's the best in sports and entertainment. And get locked in and locked down with Rhino Radio Penitentiary, 7 a.m. to 10 a.m. with your host, me, Ryan O'Neill, each and every morning, right here with the best in sports and entertainment, all the way from professional sports to college sports to River Dragons hockey and everything in between, including some of the very best local and national guests. It's the Rhino Radio Penitentiary, 7 a.m. to 10 a.m., Monday through Fridays, right here on 99.1 FM WQEE. After a few drinks, I'm taking it slow. Well, you're not fooling the cop behind you. What? Get ready to pay in point one miles. <sighs> Getting pulled over for buzz driving could cost you around $10,000 in fines, legal fees, and increased insurance rates. Nothing kills a buzz like getting pulled over for buzz driving, because buzz driving is drunk driving. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Tune in each Sunday morning right here on WQEE 99.1 FM for the key for help from a high with Bishop Daniel Hottaway Sr. of Redemptive Life Worship Center at 9 a.m. Hear the Word of God and soak it in. You can join us for our live Sunday service at 10 o'clock a.m. till 12.30 p.m. at Redemptive Life Worship Center at 2265 Highway 54 in Marlin, Georgia. Have a blessed week. Welcome back to the Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge, presented by Georgia Alabama Sports Live. And I am here with a very special guest. He is a sports director of BTV Sports. He's all over Troop County. And we're in high school football season already. It's Kevin Eckleberry. Hey, Kevin, what's going on? Not much, Richard. How are you doing today? I appreciate you having me on. It's an exciting time of year. We're already what? Three, four weeks into the high school football season. It's hard to believe. Well, I wanted to get you on last week because I wanted to talk about that Troop County-Callaway game. But what was that atmosphere like at Callaway Stadium? It's incredible. I'll tell you what, this has really become such a fun rivalry between these uh, two Troop County teams, partly because of uh, just how successful both programs have been. Obviously, Callaway, you know, has been one of the uh, the top programs in the, sta- in the state for you know, more than a decade now, and then Troop under head coach Tanner Glisson, you know, they've been really riding high for the past five or six years. So it's uh, two successful programs, uh, two really great coach, coaching staffs that appreciate one another and have a lot of mutual respect and and just incredible talent. I mean, you look over the past five years or so, the players that have been on the field <clears throat> during that game, obviously – Callaway, you know, Tank Bigsby, who made his NFL debut yesterday. Keandre Jones, who's an offensive lineman at Florida State. Uh, Demetrius Coleman, who's playing up at Chattanooga, and on and on. And then obviously at Troop, I mean, you look at guys who've come through there. Kobe Hudson, who uh, had an incredible game for Central Florida uh, last week with like 150 receiving yards. Uh, and, and obviously uh, – you know, Teo Todd, who's there now. So, uh, yeah, it was a fun game. It was a really competitive game. Uh, Troop won 21-13. to 13. 
and it was it figured to be a close game, competitive game, and it was uh, a lot of great defense. And the difference was, you know, Teo Todd, who I mentioned, he's just he's just such a special guy, and he accounted for all three of Troop's touchdowns. Uh, you know, two touchdown passes, a touchdown run. Just uh, he's a guy in a in kind of an evenly matched game. When you have a player like that, he makes the difference, and he did that night. And it was a really fun ball game. And I know talking to Coach Wiggins at Callaway and Coach Glisson at Troop, they they like that game. It really helps prepare them. It lets you know whatever weaknesses you have, whatever you might need to work on, you find out pretty quickly. And it's just gonna it's gonna serve both teams really well moving forward. So yeah, it was a really fun night and a fun ball game. Well, both teams are definitely championship contenders. I was looking at the box score. I thought the Callaway did a great job defensively holding Teo Todd to less than 100 yards rushing and less than 100 yards passing. But this is just two incredible programs here in Troop County. And Troop County was on a bye this week. Callaway, they got the win in the Pulpwood Classic. Kevin, were you, yeah. you able to go up to Heard County and check out the Pulpwood Classic? Yeah, actually, was there for the first half of that game, and then I I drove over to Alabama to watch uh, some of Lynette's game and also Springwood School, and they actually had an interesting situation over there. The The power went out in, uh, in Lynette, so uh, the game of Lynette and Springwood – both of those games stopped for 30 minutes while they got the power situation worked out. But but yeah, I was at, uh, at Heard County in the first half of that game, which is basically where it was decided. Uh, You know, Callaway led 24 to nothing at the half and almost had a 31 to nothing lead on the last play of the first half. Uh, Quarterback Deshaun Coleman threw kind of like a Hail Mary pass. It was caught by Trayon Tucker and he actually stretched the ball across the end zone, but they ruled that his knee hit before the ball crossed the plane. So it was 24 to nothing at the half. And then, uh, and then Heard County, to their credit, you know, scored a touchdown coming out of the half, but then Callaway kind of took over and won 38 to six. So it was, uh, it was really a complete performance by the Cavaliers, uh, you know, they ran the ball really well. Uh, quarterback Deshaun Coleman, who I mentioned, had a big night. He led them in rushing, led them in passing, uh, threw a couple of touchdown passes, had a few touchdown runs. Zay Hart, a really good running back for Callaway, had a touchdown run. And the Callaway defense, to me, has kind of been the story early in the season. Uh, it's not surprising with uh, Dusty Hubbard, who's their coordinator, Defense coordinator, he does such an incredible job. And the Callaway defense has been really good consistently, even in that true game. Like you mentioned, they did an outstanding job on, on Teo Todd. So, uh, so it was it was an, an impressive performance by the Cavaliers. Uh, and they just kind of controlled the game. And, and Heard County is just a little bit outmatched by Callaway right now, but – they played hard as they always do over there, and it's a it's a fun game. And I know you mentioned they call it the Pulpwood Classic now, which is really cool. I think it's about 2010 when they started calling it that, and and they have a trophy they play for. And uh, 
And so the winning team, you know, gets to keep that trophy on display. And and uh, Callaway's held on to that now for, I believe, five straight years. Um, actually, I think it's six years. So it's to Callaway's kind of dominate that rivalry of late, but it's a, it's a really fun game. These are two communities that are very close together. It actually takes Callaway about as long to get to Heard County as it does for them to get to Callaway Stadium. So it's a, it's a fun ball game and kind of like uh, Callaway and Troop with Callaway and Heard County. There's a lot of, a lot of mutual respect among the coaching staffs and, uh, and Callaway actually did a really neat thing before the game. Uh, head coach Pete Wiggins and Dusty Hubbard, you know, before the season, Heard County had one of their players, Antoine Carter, died in a drowning incident. And so uh, Coach Wiggins had a, a jersey made up, a Callaway jersey made up with Antoine's number, 23. And uh, he put that in a frame. And inside of the frame, all the Callaway players and coaches signed it. And before the game, uh, Coach Wiggins and Coach Hubbard presented that jersey to uh, to Heard County Coach Shane Lassiter and Antoine Carter's parent, parents. And it was just such a cool thing. And I know the Coach Lassiter and Antoine's parents, I know they're really touched by that. And, and, uh, and that just kind of tells you the kind of people that are involved in this rivalry. It's uh it's an intense game, and they get after each other, but just a lot of mutual respect, and, and that was a really nice moment. It's a nice way for Callaway to go into their open week, too, before they start their uh, region schedule in two weeks. So, uh, yeah, the Cav- Cavaliers have been strong earlier, and they're, they're ready to roll, and, and they were really impressive last week. All right, Kevin, let's talk about the LaGrange Grangers, winners of two straight after losing to Carve of Atlanta in the opener. They turn around and they beat Northside at Kennett Stadium. And then they go into Thomaston and defeat an Upson Lee team that was undefeated. You know, this team made it to the playoffs last year, lost to Carver. They were a 3A school. Trayvon Walker went to Upson Lee. I mean, this is a hostile environment. And the Grangers made a statement 42 to 7. Yeah, I'll tell you that that LaGrange won. not a bit surprised by that because <clears throat> they're uh, they were coming off, like you mentioned, a really impressive effort against Northside Columbus. And even in their first game against uh, against Carver Atlanta, LaGrange played really well. It just kind of got away from them late. So, uh, so you figure they'd have a good chance to go to Upson Lee and win. But to do it like they did was really, really kind of stunning. It was, uh, I mean, it was not a competitive game. Uh, I think Upson Lee scored first. And then LaGrange just took over and just just dominated in every way possible. And, uh, and just all their weapons were on display. You know, any pretty much any chance Upson Lee had, I think, of coming back was pretty much ended at the start of the second half. When uh, Gavin Barlow for LaGrange returned the kickoff for a touchdown, <laughs> And I think that made it uh, twenty-eight to seven at that point, and and it was and the blowout was just kind of on. Uh, so Lagrange's offense has really been impressive the past two weeks, and a big key for them has been uh, has been quarterback Malik Kemp, and he's an interesting guy. He transferred to Lagrange from Carrollton High School, 
before the season. And of course, everybody knows what Carrollton's quarterback situation is. You know, they've got one of the best players in the country that position. So Malik has Malik has come over to Lagrange and he settled right in, and he uh, he had kind of a tough week against uh, Carver Atlanta against that incredible defense, but he has really settled in and has been great these past two weeks. So he's uh, he's getting it done with his legs and with his arm, and and there's a lot of really nice weapons around him. I know senior wide receiver Stephen Hill had a had a big touchdown catch last week. And uh, and LaGrange's offensive line is always so solid. One of my favorite people in the coaching business is uh, David Pleasance, who is the offensive line coach for LaGrange. He's been there for a long time. He's he on the staff kind of during their glory days in the 2000s. And he coaches that offensive line. And that's always such a strength of that team. And, and they do a great job. So when you have... When you have an offensive line getting it done and you have a quarterback and Malik Kemp who's settling in, you're a really talented running back room. Uh, I know a sophomore, Caden Thomas, has been really running the ball well for them. Uh, talented wide receivers. And then the defense for LaGrange uh, under coordinator uh, Burton Thomas has been solid, solid all season. They were really good against uh, Carver Atlanta. And then these past two weeks have just really been in lockdown mode. So it was a it was a really impressive effort for uh, you know Coach Matt Napier's Grangers and and they make the transition to uh, region play this week and they've got a huge huge game uh, Friday night at Stars Mill and that's going to be a big one. Uh, last year Lagrange lost that game in overtime. So uh, but Lagrange they could not be more confident going into region play. You know coming off these past two uh, victories over over Northside and in Upson Lee where they've scored almost a hundred combined points these past two games. So, uh, so they're rolling and in this region, it's going to be really fine with LaGrange, Stars Mill, Whitewater, Troop, obviously, uh, Riverdale, pretty uh, traditionally strong program, Trinity, uh, Trinity Christian. So, uh, so it's going to be fine. And, and yeah, the, the Grangers, they, they really appear like they're, they're peaking and they're and they're ready to roll. Yes, Lagrange is going to be on the road this Friday against Stars Mill. Troop County, fresh off a bye, still undefeated, taking on Whitewater on the road. And for the second straight week in a row, Kevin, there is not going to be a high school football game at Callaway Stadium. I mean, does this happen often? It seems like it. There's like one Friday night a year when when it happens. Uh, so for it to happen two weeks in a row, yeah, that's that's really unusual. Um, but uh, yeah, like you mentioned, the great troop, they're both going to be on the road, and Callaway is off. So the uh, Callaway Stadium is going to be sitting empty for a second straight week, uh, and then obviously the rest of the season we'll have plenty of games at the stadium. So, uh, so yeah, but I, I'm looking forward to the this recent schedule, like I mentioned, and. Uh, and Troop won that region last year, and that was their first region title since 1987, which is kind of hard to believe. So, uh, so these these two games, which between Lagrange and Troop, are really critical. Uh, like I said, Troop uh, Troop's playing a really good Whitewater team. Lagrange playing an outstanding Stars Mill team. So it's obviously nothing will be decided this first week. 
but we will after these these first games, these first region games this week, we'll have a pretty good idea, I think, of what uh, what's in store for the rest of the region schedule. And the following week, they flip the opponents. LaGrange yeah. is going to play Whitewater on Thursday at Callaway Stadium. Troop County is going to play Stars Mill on Friday. So after two weeks, we could get some clarity on who are the top teams in this region. You still got to play Trinity Christian, like you mentioned, Riverdale, Fayette County, North Clayton. I mean, this is going to be fun going down the stretch. Well, what? no doubt. And what's interesting, you look back to last year, uh, LaGrange lost the region opener, opener to Stars Mill, and then they lost a really high-scoring game to Whitewater. So LaGrange opened 0-2 in region play, and they, they pretty much knew that they were going to have to run the table after that just to make the playoffs. And LaGrange did that and then finished the regular season with that incredible victory of our troop, you know, and they came back from 10 points in the fourth quarter to win. So, uh, yeah, these first two weeks are, are just so critical. You could absolutely argue that these are the best four teams in the region. Uh, LaGrange Troop, Stars Mill, and Whitewater. And obviously Trinity Christian's going to be in that picture as well in Riverdale. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be really fun. I can't, and next week, how much fun is that going to be with back-to-back nights at the stadium with those two games? Uh, so it's, it's going to be fun. And then you finish with those two, and then you still have, you know, five more region games to go. And then and on into the playoffs after that. So, uh, yeah, it, it's crazy. In some ways, it seems like we've been playing for a while, but then you think about it. In other ways, we're just kind of getting started. I mean, conceivably, for a lot of these teams, they could still have 12 games to go if they make it all the way to the championship game. So uh, that's why, I mean, you approach it. Every game's important, but you have to also look at the big picture and realize that uh, as important as each game is, you have to put that one behind you and get ready for the next one especially in this region, Region 4, 4A, which is so balanced and so good from top to bottom. Kevin, how confident is Callaway going into region play? This time last year, they were 0-3. They ran the table and they won the region. They're coming into region play with a 2-1 record, taking on Redan after their bye. They got Columbia. They got to play Eagles Landing Christian Academy on the road. That is going to be a tough game. And then... They cap it off with McNair and Landmark Christian to uh, finish out the regular season. Yeah, they're they're feeling good about themselves. It's it's funny you mentioned last year. Yeah, they were zero and three, uh, but I mean, you look at the three teams they lost to. They they opened with a close loss to Opelika, and then lost to uh, Cedar Town and Troop. And of course, Cedar Town and Troop were in the semifinals, and Cedar Town played for a state championship. So. Uh, so they were zero and three last year, but I I think they uh, they used those games to uh, to get better, and obviously they did because they won the region and made it to the third round of the state playoffs. So uh, so they're feeling really good. Um, like I said, everything's kind of come together. Their defense, like I mentioned earlier, has just been really incredible since the first game, and the offense is really finding its identity as well. Uh, under offense coordinator Zach Giddens, who, who has done a terrific job. You know, he took over as the offense coordinator in 2020. And, of course, all that team did was win a state championship. 
So uh, to it's a team. I mean, they do what Callaway does. Callaway's always going to be a strong running team. And uh, they might not have, like Callaway, you always kind of expect them to have that marquee running back, you know, like a, a Tank Bixby, obviously, and then Charlie Dixon after him. They don't really have that this year. They have a, they have three or four really talented running backs, and uh, and the quarterbacks have really been a big part of the running game as well. With starter Deshaun Coleman and sophomore Blake Harrington has come in and really give them a spark at quarterback as well. And their offensive line under Coach Robbie Adams is really coming together nicely as well. So it's uh, it's a team. I mean, you look at their track record. Uh, they're always there. I mean, they win reaching championships at a pretty regular clip. And then when playoff time arrives, they're, they're always one of those teams that, uh, you know, they're at the end. It's, it's pretty remarkable. Last year, they made it to the third round of the state playoffs, which for most teams, most programs is exceptional. For Callaway, it was almost like a disappointment because they'd been in the, the state semifinals every year since 2018 through 2021. And of course they won it all in 2020. So they expect to be there at the end. And, uh, and when you look at what this team has done so far, there's no reason to uh, expect anything. Otherwise, you know, coach Pete Wiggins, to me, he's built a hall of fame career as a head coach. And, uh, it's just what he's been able to do, the consistency this program has had year after year. They have not had the, the dips that a lot of programs have where you win, you win, you win, and you kind of have that down year, kind of a rebuilding year. Callaway's not had that. You know, like I said, a down year for them is only making it the third round of the playoffs. So so to answer your question, yeah, they appear primed and poised to uh, – to compete for a region title and make another deep run. And, and when you look at their region, the team that really stands out to me is Columbia. And that's a team that Callaway plays on September 29th at, uh, at Callaway Stadium. They played LaGrange in a preseason game, and Columbia looked really good. So, uh, so that's a team I know can compete with Callaway. And uh, then down the road, obviously, Eagles Landing is up traditionally strong program and landmark christian has had you know some good years as well so so callaway is definitely the team to beat in this region but there are some teams like columbia and elka that are certainly ready to you know to push them and and it's going to be fun to see what happens all right kevin final segment before i get you out of here let's talk about the teams on the other side of the river in east alabama that you cover for btv sports valley and lynette they get bounce back wins valley was able to beat beauregard beauregard was undefeated and that was a big region game and lynette was able to get the win over horseshoe bend they still got to play highland home i think lynette under first year head coach chip siegel is going to make the playoffs and they're going to continue that tradition of Lynette football winning state championships in 17 and 19. And I think Valley is a dark horse because Cam Dooley is a very good quarterback and they got one of the best corners in Alabama and Jay Harper. Yeah, that was, yeah, we'll talk about Valley first. What a huge win that was, you know, that was over a team that, 
uh, last year, won 10 games and I believe made it to the second round of the state playoffs. <clears throat> and so that's a huge win, especially on the road and, and really kind of a statement win for Valley. You know, it's been a couple of years since Valley's been to the state playoffs. And so getting a win like that, they still have work to do, obviously. But gosh, what a what a huge win. What an exciting game it was. It went to overtime. And uh, and overtime rules in Alabama, it's kind of like uh, college rules where each team gets a possession down close to the goal line. And so Cam Dooley threw a touchdown pass <clears throat> to Brandon Thomas in, uh, in overtime. It's also kind of cool. Those were you know, two of the top players for the basketball team that went unbeaten and won the state championship. And, of course, Cam was the player of the year in Alabama. So Cam throws a touchdown pass to Brandon Thomas to give Valley the lead. And then and then on the Beauregard's possession, uh, on fourth down, Cam Dooley knocks down the pass on fourth down to clinch the victory. So, so Cam Dooley, he's a special guy. He's a remarkable athlete first of all and he's a terrific team leader i know that his teammates really respond to him and, and they kind of follow his lead and he's been incredible so far every game you know he was our uh, btv he was our player of the week after the lynette game two weeks ago and then he, he was even better against Beauregard. uh had a two touchdown uh passes had a touchdown run and I'm, I'm not sure he even came off the field in that game. So he plays quarterback and he also plays safety. It's just really remarkable. And Brandon Thomas had a big game. Jay Harper, the defensive back who you mentioned, who's another member of that basketball team. And, and Jay is going to Wisconsin and, and Cam is going to Missouri. So, uh, so it's a team with uh, some terrific senior leadership and a, and a coach and Adam Hunter, who I believe this is his fifth year as head coach. And, and he's really doing an awesome job with this team. So that was a, that was a big win. And, and then you mentioned uh, Lynette, that was a, that's a big win for them too. It's a game. They, uh, they figure they should have won, but it's also sports. So you never know what's going to happen. And that was a, uh, that was an odd game against Horseshoe Bend because, like I mentioned earlier, they had that power outage. So it was, I believe it's scoreless when that happened. So they leave the field and then, then they come back and Lynette puts up uh, 41 points on them. And Lynette has a really special player of its own, uh, Elijah Juan Whitfield, a junior. He's just been remarkable. He does everything for them. He'll play quarterback. He'll line up at wide receiver, running back. He returns kicks. He plays defense, and he scored touchdowns. And every way you can imagine this year, returning kicks, throwing touchdowns, catching touchdowns. So he's a special player. And uh, and Coach Siegel's doing a heck of a job with him. He's a, he's a really fun guy. And, and obviously, Coach Clifford Story, who led them to two state championships, uh, stepped down after the – 2022 season you know he wants to he's got two sons playing college football so he really wants to kind of be a part of their journey and I know he felt really confident in turning this program over to Co coach Chip Siegel and coach Siegel's done an awesome job so they're 1-0 in the region and Valley's 1-0 in the region and and they both set themselves up nicely for uh you know for hopefully a playoff run and and we'll see what happens down the road all right Kevin great insight on 
local sports in Troop County and the surrounding areas. But before I let you go, tell all my listeners where they could find you on social media and any platforms. Yeah, just we do a lot of our stuff on our Facebook page. Just look for uh, BTV Sports. Uh, just search for that on Facebook. And I did want to mention one thing I did this morning. Obviously, today is 9-11. And uh, they did a thing at, at Callaway Stadium this morning where the LaGrange Fire Department to kind of simulate what the firefighters in New York went through on 9-11. You know, they march up and down the uh, the steps at Callaway Stadium uh, just to kind of simulate the, the stories that the New York firefighters climbed on 9-11. So it's, it's a really cool thing. And I'll have some videos from that, some interviews. And it was really, it was really kind of an emotional thing for me to see, to be honest, because obviously it's been 22 years, but that day still seems fresh in my memory and, and seeing these LaGrange firefighters doing this to honor those first responders from 9-11 New York was really, really a special thing. So yeah, just, uh, just look for our Facebook page and, and, and that's where we have a lot of our stuff. We have our cable channels, obviously, but uh, yeah, Facebook is really kind of our main platform. Wow. That is absolutely an incredible story, Kevin. And thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule and being a guest here on the sports beat. You're welcome, Richard. Anytime you ever need me, just, just let me know. All right. That was BTV sports director, Kevin Eckleberry. Thanks again for joining us. We're going to be back with a quick commercial break. You don't want to go anywhere. It is the sports beat with Richard Holdridge. Wishbone Fried Chicken is back in a brand new location. 31 Jackson Street, Sweet A here in Noonan. Same great taste. The best chicken around. Fish dinners. Open Monday through Saturday, 10.30 a.m. to 4 p.m. Dine in. Take out. It's Wishbone Fried Chicken. Right next door to their former location. Bringing you the best chicken around. So great. Wishbone Fried Chicken, 31 Jackson Street, Sweet A, here in Noonan. Hey, sports fans, it's Rod Peterson here, host of The Rod Peterson Show, inviting you to join us daily for two hours of Atlanta's funnest sports talk right here on WQEE. I say fun because it is. You've never heard a show like it because we make the listeners a part of the show every day between noon and 2 p.m. Eastern. You'll hear plenty of the best sports talk, including the latest on the Falcons, the Braves, and more. And who knows, you might even hear you. That's the Rod Peterson Show, daily at noon, right here on WQEE 99.1 FM. Hey, sports fans. Weekdays, 3 p.m. Eastern to 5 p.m. Eastern. Drive time. WQEE. Braves Country is a Southern sports talk show with Mac McGee and the Armchair Quarterbacks. That's Braves Country with Mac McGee and the Armchair Quarterbacks. Weekdays, 3 p.m. to 5 p.m., right here on WQEE 99.1 FM. You are listening to The Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge, broadcasted on WQEE 99.1 FM, the key from 2 to 3 p.m. Monday through Friday, this is a local podcast that covers Columbus sports and beyond. If you would like to hear more of this podcast, you can download us on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, or Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, and I hope you have a great rest of your day.